I cook with cannabis. It's another great ingredient that I use in my food. Like I use basil and cilantro. Now I can do very different things with it. Um, but it is all always, always about how do I create these environments for people to learn so that they know they can repeat these experiences at home within reason, obviously, but create the experience from a flavor standpoint, but also from a safety standpoint. Far from being your average award-winning chef, Jordan Wagman sits somewhere at the intersection of nutrition, wellness, and fine dining. A lifelong cannabis user, his passion for the plant, in conjunction with cleaner living, continues to have a lasting positive impact on his own mental and physical health. So welcome to the to the Lobster Pot. I'm Dave Barton, ably assisted, or I shouldn't say assisted, say co-hosted with my co-founder, Jamie Bonthron. How you doing, Jamie? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'll take assisted. That's fine. No assisted. problem at all. Assisted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah I'll cool, take that. Um, and we've got, well, we've got a very special guest today, and I'm sure you all know and love him, or at least have heard of him. Um, Jordan Wegman, um, James Beard, chef. Is that, I mean, I know nothing about the culinary world. I'm not even going to lie, but I know that's a big deal because I know that um, a couple of other chefs have got that, and it's, it's a big thing. So, uh, <laughs> Welcome to the it's show, big, Jordan. It's a big thing to, to a lot of people. I'm too old and gray for it to matter anymore, to be honest. <laughs> what, what, t- tell us what it, what it means. Who, who is James Beard and, and why is yeah, he, I mean, he was, in the world? Uh, you know, he was... Um, he was an, he was an educator. He was you know he was he was uh, it was a real personality and spent a lot of time with Julia Childs and and uh, you know um, upon his passing they I guess sort of memorialized him and created this James Beard Foundation which would you know become this sort of stamp Michelin you know. Mm-hmm. equivalent stamp of approval for the North American culinary world more about the the individual than about the actual establishment where Michelin obviously relies whole you know or or focuses more on on the establishment um so yeah listen I was 30 years old when it happened and it was a great honor I'm 50 really? today and so you know when people when I get introduced oftentimes I get introduced as James Beard nominated chef which is fine you know it's 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 like anything else right you're nominated for something you win an award and it might get your foot in the door, but then you have to prove yourself 10 seconds later. You know, that introduction just gets you so far. And then so you actually remember. have to cook a good meal or be articulate or, or, or. So that's it. So it's kind of like the accolades comes the pressure. But uh, but I think I sure. think you, you know what you're doing. But no, we're here today to talk about a bit yeah. about yourself and your, and your career and uh, and your involvement in the cannabis sector. So moving from, well. Looking at today, thinking about the different ways in which people enjoy cannabis, medically, recreationally, etc. There's a lot of crossover with uh, with the food, with culinary expertise. How did you get involved in it? Has it been a sort of lifelong thing for you, or um, yeah? Tell us a little about how you got involved with uh, the cannabis sector and why it matters to you. You know, I've smoked joints every day of my life since I was 12 years old. That's that's how I got into quote unquote, you know, into cannabis and. Um, you know, my brother is three years older than me and, you know, Adam is a very prominent lawyer here in Canada and 
and I remember it wholeheartedly. I know I smoked hash when I was 12 years old, but I didn't fully appreciate at the time. And I can tell you for many decades following that I was actually consuming cannabis because I had an autoimmune disease, psoriasis. It wasn't only because, you know, and I joke, it was, wasn't because I had long hair and played guitar at the time, but, you know, or played guitar, period. But, you know, it's, it was because I actually had this need state. I had psoriasis. But fast forward, you know, like I, I, I always love to cook and I would always, you know, be infusing foods with cannabis and for myself, friends, whatever that looks like. And, you know, just doing it like everyone else would. And then I would in, in Northern Ontario and Canada here, we have a network of lakes that we do what's called, you know, canoe tripping and, and portaging. So you're taking the canoes and all of your food and you're, you're putting it in the packs and you're going out for five days, 10 days at a time. And all of the food, everything you have is with you. That's it. There's nothing else available. You're out in the wilderness, but I fell in love with cooking for people specifically, but I fell in love with cooking, period, doing it over an open fire, leading these trips. And so I ended up going to culinary school. And then fast forward, you know, I had, you know, really struggled with my psoriasis and I had done so much to, you know, both naturally and, 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 you know, following Western medicine by taking horrible drugs, methotrexate and cyclosporin and so on and so forth when I was younger, but I, w I needed to take control of my life. You know, I'll also cite that, you know, I slept in a tent at the Dead Sea in Israel for a year and a half, right? Where I, I would sit in the sun for 15 hours a day getting psoriasis treatments. And it really, really helped. But the sunshine wasn't living in Toronto where it's only sunny for three months of the year, you know, well, well, or it's that, warm yeah. enough to sit outside and tan. You know, it's not really the best way to figure out my health journey. So seven years ago, I removed gluten, dairy, and refined sugar from my diet. And I began consuming cannabis differently than smoking joints, but consuming with the intention of getting healthier or taking different cannabinoids and terpenes and so on and so forth. And in 60 days, my psoriasis went away. I've been covered head to toe my entire life, right? You don't see any psoriasis here. And now I've had to go on a biologic subsequent to the vaccine, different story. But the cannabis journey was very, very clear to me when I got healthy. And that was, if I can do it, and then I can teach other people how to find their health through healthy diet and cannabis. I don't subscribe to, hey, go to McDonald's every day and take a bunch of cannabis and you'll be healthy. That's not health. You know, find balance in your life and use cannabis to, you know, to create that balance with healthy diet and lifestyle and you can find your health. So I have for the last seven years really tried to redefine what people know to be cannabis, food and beverage. I mean, that's it's really interesting. And I think that, no, and thank you for sharing that story. I mean, again, when you hear about people's different health issues and that cannabis has played a part, and I'm not saying necessarily it's, it, it's a cure-all, I mean, but it plays a part. And I think it's understanding the part that it plays, which for me is, is really, well, it's an interesting. And I think, again, as you're talking about, you know, food, beverages, that way in which we more and more people are sort of waking up to taking responsibility for their own health. We mentioned this before when we had a chat, you know, their health, their wellness, they see the different, I mean, like you say, getting rid of gluten, dairy, all that sort of stuff. 
And I think it's it's too obvious for a lot of people. It, it almost sounds like it's so obvious to do that, but so few people seem to do it. I mean, it's not it's even hard. part of our culture. Yeah, it's hard. People it's want hard to and it's daunting. It's intimidating. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and oftentimes, and, and it's so funny. Oftentimes I'm, you know, someone will say, but, but you're a chef, you know, you went to one doctor, one meeting, and then you changed everything. Sure. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that, but I'm here to teach you. And thousands of people have come over to my home and there's a term, you know, in, 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 culinary and in cooking, we say deglazing de the pan, right? You sear your, your proteins, your bananas, your pineapple, your cauliflower in a hot pan. You create that sear, which, you know, which, which creates what I call my favorite, second favorite four letter F word. I do have a favorite, but the second favorite is fond F O N D. And it's those little bits of food that get stuck to the bottom of the pan after you're searing something right through this caramelization process. And we deglaze that pan and people know what I'm talking about. Everyone's seen yeah. a culinary show, a, you know, a cooking show where the chef, the culinarian pulls that pan off the stove or adds some sort of liquid could be wine, stock, beer, whatever it is, but lifting off all of that fond, all of that beautiful flavor that was stuck to the bottom of the pan. In my world, in my cooking, when thousands of people come over, do you know what I deglaze with? Because you'll see, you, you won't see anyone deglaze with this, with this on TV or very rarely. I use water. I use H2O. Why? Because I want people to know that when they come over, my chicken kale meatballs have two ingredients. Do you want to guess what the ingredients are? You know, my tomato sauce, my signature tomato sauce has two ingredients. It's tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, and olive oil. I want people to see the food I create and know one thing. They can recreate it at home. Because my food is no longer food and beverage. It's no longer about creating something that has, you know, 15 different ingredients and you go to the plate and there's 15 different components with 15 different ingredients, you know, making up each component. It's ridiculous. It's lunacy. It's not how I subscribe to creating food stuff anymore. So now it's about how do I create food that I love? In the, in, the, in the same realm that I want to create it, looking beautiful, tasting amazing, but knowing that the two of you with no culinary, I'm just assuming, without no, any culinary experience directly. whatsoever, whether it's true or not, I'm just, you know, hypothesizing. But, you know, if, 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 if you have no culinary experience whatsoever, that you could feel confident recreating my signature dish in your kitchen. Absolutely. I mean, I think... For me, it's, it, do you feel like that comes from the quality of the ingredients, that ability to do things very simply? And that's such a key part of it. I mean, like you say, the the neat doing things and the complexity of it, it feels like that's the sort of showmanship of, you know, the theatre of the kitchen that we've come to see on TV and things like that. But what, you know, sometimes you just sit down, you go somewhere. I think we we're talking about this when we were in Berlin, Jamie and I, the idea that Jesus Christ, everything tastes so much better here than it does in the UK. Just going to like the equivalent of like a sort of German Starbucks or something, eating a bagel. And it's like, damn, you know, we would pay double the price for this in London and it would be twice as just shit. And I don't know what that is. There's something about, there's a care, there's a quality. What, what, 
Well, no, I, I mean, you're, yeah, I, and it's you're, from the ingredients. You hit the nail on the head. I, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? So you start with the best ingredients you can. You do very little to them, and you serve them to those that you love. That's the philosophy of my food. That's why it's very seasonal. I rely on my farmers to tell me what to buy. I rely on on foragers to rely to tell me what to purchase, and and that's how you know you're cooking in seasons when you with, with the seasons when you have those types of relationships. You're you're yeah sure it's just a carrot and you know what it's it's ugly and it probably it might even have two prongs instead of this beautiful straight carrot but hey guess what folks they taste exactly the same and mine might even taste better because it's been grown with love and you can taste the love in food call me silly but i believe that to be the case and so yes you start with great ingredients you end with great product you don't have to do much to a beautiful tomato in season to make that taste good it's uh, it really is just keeping it simple, isn't it? I think the way that you approach food now, uh, you know, speaking to when you were nominated back in the day, as, as you said, it may have been a little bit different. It might have been more like 15 ingredients on a plate and, Correct. you know, super high dining, really complicated. You have to have a really refined palate to pick out 13 out of the 15 ingredients anyway. You know, I think the way that you approach uh, cannabis and food or cannabis via food and drink as a, as a method of consumption is the same as you approach food in general. It's, it's through this portal of accessibility and making it easy for people to get to grips with and to get a hold of and to understand. Well, and it's, and it's, so I, I offer food first experiences. I'm not a cannabis chef. I, I don't claim to be, it's not what I am after 30 years of working in culinary. I, I don't feel that that should be my title. Um, I cook with cannabis. It's another great ingredient that I use in my food. Like I use basil and cilantro. Now I can do very different things with it. Um, but it is all always, always about how do I create these environments for people to learn so that they know they can repeat these experiences at home within reason, obviously, but create the experience from a flavor standpoint but also from a safety standpoint, how do you create what I refer to as this, this repeatable experience so that you come to my home for an experience and I tell you, here is the dosage and you say, wow, that was amazing. So if I consume 15 milligrams of THC over four hours and I have these terpenes and I have these, you know, this quantity of these different cannabinoids and, and, and. I could recreate this experience. Well, yeah, I mean, you absolutely could. If you had the know-how, of course, absolutely. But if you're going to your friend's house and you say to them, wow, that meal was amazing. Or conversely, I got really sick I, or I greened out, right? Like I just had to just didn't enjoy the experience. How much cannabis did you, did, did you serve me? You know what? You can't tell them without sending that, you know, infusion, that homemade butter, oil, whatever it is, infusion out to a lab or having it tested or, you know, at least at the very least doing what those, you know, there are home tests available. I can't subscribe to or speak to their accuracy, but without doing something, how do you know what the potency of that cannabis is? Therefore, how could you tell someone what's in it? And Furthermore, how could you re recreate that experience for them? You couldn't do any, like you couldn't. So that's why for me, it's critical when I'm creating these experiences to do it properly. There's math behind it, but it's food first. It's, I'm not highlighting the flavor of that 
distillate. No one likes the flavor of distillate, but like if you have something that's very limiting forward, and I said this on a show yesterday, like if you have something that's very limiting forward and you're going to make a ceviche, well, that makes sense to pair something that you're going to cure with an acidulated liquid, like a citrus and some zest. And then you're going to add, you know, some sort of cannabis oil that's very high in citrusy, you know, terpenes. Well, that makes sense to me. So that's the that's the sort of logic behind creating that food first experience for people. No, it's uh, it's it's what I actually think is really interesting about that is although you couldn't test it and you couldn't you know tell someone exactly what was in what they had, I think there's that uh, there's there's a uniqueness to every experience that you create, whether it's you creating it or someone cooking at home. Someone could cook something at home that was almost unintentionally better than what they might be able to experience somewhere else Without just question. through trial and trial and error. Just Without just, question. Just, Without question. And so what I what I what I should also say is you know, what I subscribe to, I live in Toronto, I live in Canada in a federally legalized environment. Why would I in create my own infusions when I can go down the street one block to the 14 different dispensaries that are, you know, have now, there's, there's more dispensaries than there are pizza places, you know, Starbucks, et cetera, as an aggregate. Truly, it's just unbelievable. But why wouldn't I go in there? take advantage of a legal environment and the efficacy that's provided, you know, I can tell you to two decimal places what the potency is of the cannabis that I'm serving is to two decimal places. Right. I can recreate your experiences because I'm purchasing it from a legal environment, or at the very least, I know what the potency is to two decimal places, which provides some semblance of accuracy as long as you know how to properly infuse your food and beverage. And I think it's, I mean, Again, from understand, I mean, understanding just building what you're saying. I mean, the consistency of, of, of cooking. I mean, that's something I really struggle with personally, just because my wife's like, "Why have you made it like this that time?" I'm like, right. "I don't know, because 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 I did, you know." And to kind of introduce a new element, maybe maybe what I'm trying to ask is like, you know, is there a kind of secret to cooking well with cannabis? What, what, yeah. What the, yeah. And what is that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's not a secret. It's, it's a, it's a method. Yeah. And, and, right. you know, it's so there, there is precisely dosing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's individually dosing. Okay. So I'll just speak to this first. When you precisely dose something, I'm creating a pineapple puree. I'm going to take this Whatever the, 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 the mechanism is, whatever the vehicle is to precisely dose, there are these products on the market, even if it's just a dropper. But let's say we're precisely dosing this pineapple puree. We properly emulsify it because that's key, creating that homogenous mixture, making sure that that cannabis is equally divided amongst, right, amongst that puree. That's that's precisely dosing. I can tell you that I just added 15 milligrams of XYZ to this pineapple puree. Now I'm going to serve that to 10 people. Well, okay. So I added 50 milligrams of THC. I've now properly emulsified it, creating homogenous mixture. And now I'm going to serve it to 10 people. Well, I have 50 milligrams of THC. I'm serving it to 10 people. I know I've properly done this. Well, it's five milligrams per portion right? So it's the total cannabis divided by the yield equals the potency proportion. That's the math. It's very simple. That's, that's precisely dosing. 
individually dosing is very different and comes with its pros and cons, I will call them. If you go and you make bangers and mash, how's that? I'm going to pull out bangers yeah, and mash. Do it. Do it. Okay? Yep. So you're going to make, you're going to eat bangers and mash for breakfast and you want to go and infuse that. And you go to take that same product and you individually dose, right? Individually dose. It's your plate. I'm individually dosing that and I'm putting the cannabis onto the plate. Here's the problem. Although I can tell you with certainty that there is five milligrams of cannabis on your plate, the problem is this. You go to eat that one banger. The cannabis was on that one banger and you say, you know what, chef? I don't, I'm not really hungry. Or you know what, chef? I don't really feel like eating cannabis today. I'm a little nervous. You know what the problem is, guys? You've already consumed 100% of the cannabis. So, so that's, so that's not when, when you individually dose something, it's not spread amongst, right? Mm -hmm. When I go to, to infuse that pineapple puree and I go to put that in the, in the bowl and I have some pineapple sorbet on top of that, all just as an example, mm -hmm. if you go to take that spoonful of the pineapple puree and you say, you know what, chef, I don't feel like eating it. I'll say, no problem. You only had a little bit. How do I know? Because it was infused into the pineapple puree versus, well, you don't even know where it's infused, quite frankly, on your individually dosed plate. So this is the challenge that comes with individually dosing food stuff. Is it safe? Is it reliable? Sure. Eat all of the food or drink all of the drink to ensure you are consuming all of that cannabis. And make sure, you know, that you actually want to consume it because you might consume a hundred percent of it when you might, you know, five seconds later determine, you know what, today's not the day for me. So it's all yeah. about, it's all about technique. My, my focus, and I'll sort of like close it like this. I'm always batch cooking. I'm always precisely dosing my infusion. Nope. Are we lost him? that cannabis is oh. evenly distributed cool. that's my goal now, you're putting me in mind of some very uh some cannabis faux pas from my, my younger years when uh <laughs> i remember it, there was a bunch of guys at my at my university would make hash tea and it would be literally crumbling the solids into like a, a like a pg tips kind of brew and it was you know everyone was like oh man this is great i'm like and everyone's thinking that really it's not. So. <laughs> <laughs> like the guys that didn't want to smoke, putting it, mixing it in with a yogurt or something like that. And it would just be like, a, you know, you couldn't tell to what extent everyone was kind of manufacturing the atmosphere or whether it was just like everyone was just consuming it and, and having an effect in a way. But again, when you have that kind of thing with, with street cannabis, you, you you just don't know. There isn't There is no way of detecting those. And again, this this becomes the whole argument, one of the arguments for legalization, understanding the provenance and understanding what it is, the amounts and things like that. But again, is there any kind of particular sort of cultivars or something like that or particular strains that lend themselves well to cooking? Or is it is that like saying, well, what kind of tomato do you want to put in to, to this sauce? You know, is, is it that kind of hard to answer? It is yeah. difficult to answer. And, and it's it goes really back to 
you know, who am I working with? Um, you know, perfect example tonight, I'm going out for dinner with my friend Tanner Stewart from Stewart Farms. And he had an incredible dinner here a couple months ago where he has bath bombs and bath salts, like all infused with cannabis, um, topical balms, and he has pre rolls. And so he said, Jordan, listen, I'd like to take my all of my SKUs and I'd like to create a menu that highlights the different ter- profiles and you know just different just different you know flavors that are coming from whether it's you know the terpene in the, from you know the lavender and the bath bomb or there's a turmeric you know mm-hmm. topical balm whatever it is but I want to create this menu. So what we did was we created these 12 courses to highlight all of his ingredients. And so I took that, you know, the, the turmeric, for example, and I paired that with where I would normally make a mustard sauce with, you know, uh, a steak or something. I, did this beautiful culotte, which is, you know, this top, this sirloin cap, and it's Wagyu, it's gorgeous. And I made this amazing turmeric mustard sauce. And it was so great. But what I loved about it, what I loved so much about it is it was infused, obviously, but it paired so nicely with that balm that and and so when he came out the two of us would come out and he would speak to his product and then i spoke to the food stuff that i paired so when i'm creating it i'm looking for inspiration it depends on who i'm working with it depends on i love pink kush pure bar like that that by far and away is what i love what i enjoy I really, really strongly for me, you know, I, I rely on citrusy, very high citrusy um, uh, terpenes, um, but inevitably I'm cooking for everyone. So, you know, I used this example yesterday, right? So if I'm smoking a brisket and I, I want, you know, I, I wouldn't bring in terp- to, uh, a limonene to that or high citrus, I would bring in more pinene. I'd bring in forest bathing type sort of feel, Right. So that's it, it's really hard to answer, but it's, yeah. it's more about who I'm working with. You know, what do they offer? Um, I'm all about organics. I'm all about knowing what's in the product. I try my best to use products that are consistent with my brand and my beliefs. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you talk about cannabis and when you talk about food in general, because you're a person who's obviously very passionate about food and very knowledgeable and well-practiced, it's very easy to listen to you and go, oh, that sounds, that sounds amazing. You know, when, when somebody knows what they're talking about with food, talks about the food they're making, it's very, it's difficult not to start, you know, mouthwatering. Oh, that sounds really, really good. Cannabis is, has its own sort of stigmas, has its own attachments, and there are beliefs around it that people have, rightly or wrongly. How do you speak about cannabis when you speak about food in a way that makes it accessible for people or a way that almost hurdles some of the stigmas that they might have about the plant? So I just have to credit you for the phenomenal lead in question like that was just led me right to the water, brother. That was amazing. Um, What's funny you ask. So, you know, for me. The truth is, I talk about this every day. Like I, I see the real opportunity. And someone called me out on LinkedIn and said, "Like, why do you keep giving everyone these hundred million dollar ideas?" Well, the truth is, 
they would need to hire me or someone I know to create it. So I'm not really giving away anything. Like you want to do it yourself, do it yourself. You're going to create more crap that's in the marketplace. But the the real opportunity is to educate those and bring those who are kind of curious over to what we can call the dark side, if you would like, but educate them and, and bring them over. And how do we do that? We need to create that, that real gateway opportunity. And that for me are terpene beverages. I think that, you know, especially the opportunity really is to get those terpene forward beverages on those grocery food, grocery, uh, grocery store shelves so that, you know, we can create that brand awareness and brand recognition so that we can come to market when something is legal, where, whenever that's, that is, wherever it is, you know, they can, start to infuse that with different cannabinoids in addition to the terpenes. And now there's that brand recognition immediately as you're going into the dispensaries or wherever it is that they're purchasing their, their cannabis legally. So, you know, that I, I believe that that's a real opportunity. The other, the other opportunity is speaking to those can of curious and those that don't necessarily consume cannabis like I do as a stoner is, you know, is through food and beverage. It's, you know, we mourn over food. We, we, we talk over food. We do business over food. We celebrate birth over food. Like we do everything over food and beverage. Why are we not educating people on the benefits of cannabis through food and beverage, which is the lowest hanging fruit for them? Because what you're not going to do is hand my mother a roll of, and I'll pull out the, the European reference, Ziggy's and raw flour or flour and say, go roll a joint for yourself, mom, and smoke it. Well, she's not going to do that. She's 70 plus years old. She's never done that. My dad has, but she's never... Re- you know what? I say that. I don't know. I should ask her, actually. Did she smoke? Yeah. I don't. You might find out something very but interesting. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming she didn't or yeah. wouldn't at this point. So what would she do? She might say to me, hey, George, you know, those chocolate truffles that you make that are totally vegan. Can you infuse those? Of course, mom. They've been infused the whole time. Those fruit roll ups that we grew up eating, all that dehydrated fruit. Well, that's my signature dish. There's the most sexiest food you'll ever eat, but there's three ingredients in them. And why is that important? Because it, it really breaks down the barriers. And now you're really sort of locking into that childhood memory, right? So you feed them this fruit roll up or this fruit leather and it's rolled up and it's like a beautiful scroll and they they unravel it. They pull it back from the parchment paper, right? Everyone can actually hear it as I'm saying it. You're tearing the, the fruit leather away from the parchment paper and then you're rolling it back up and you're taking a bite and you're saying, holy smokes, like this is freaking amazing, but it's three ingredients and it's It has health benefits because we can infuse whatever cannabinoids we and terpenes that we want into that, but it's now being consumed through a vehicle that is very familiar. So that's why I am so on my soapbox all the time and creating this incredible network of doctors, naturopaths, you know, uh, culinarians, mixologists who can come together and continue educating people like I want to through cannabis, food and beverage. Absolutely. And I think that's, I mean, I, was gonna, I mean, I think it's amazing. Absolutely. And I, I agree when you say it's, you've got to find ways to make it more accessible for people, what they feel comfortable with. And, you know, if they want to try cannabis, they, they need to, it needs to be in, in an environment. I mean, it's the same, you know, if you're smoking for the first time, you want to create that environment that you, you know, you're going to feel comfortable in, you know, you want to be able to, you know, roll over and go to sleep if you want to, and you're not going to do that, you know, in a, in a shopping mall or around the back of a, you know, a, 
<laughs> the shop or whatever or something like that so, but, but by the same token it's um when you think about medical consumption and people thinking about you know how can i do something how can i take control of my own uh, you know wellness needs and giving them something that they will be, they will be comfortable with what, what you know what, what's the sort of challenge there i mean because again as i sort of mentioned before this whole idea of recreational versus medical cannabis you know sometimes you know the two almost feel you know quite distinct from each other and how do you kind of introduce people to food and say actually this has um, you know, the value you know it's it's in the goodness is in in the plant which i've infused in this food and you know you might enjoy it but it's good for you do you know what i mean it, it, it's yeah it i mean like there's, listen, a, there's something at work there i'm not quite sure I, what I it think is if you think about it you know my approach in educating people on changing diet is to make incremental changes yeah they aren't me and they didn't have the culinary acumen that i had you know, seven plus years ago, whatever it is to come home, change my diet and say, okay, I'm, I, I've only baked with butter and refined sugar and gluten. How am I now going to make everything that I know and love without the truth of the matter is, is that I need and want for nothing. Zero. I make my own ice cream. I have popsicles. I can make anything. You know, that song, there's a song, anything you can do, I can do better. And, and, you know, I can do anything better than you. And so for me, it's like, I, and, and it's not that I can do it better, but I can do it equally. I can make you, uh, you know, something that is all of my desserts are plant-based too. Right. So I've gone from using butter and sugar and, and gluten flour and glutinous flour to making every single dessert of mine plant based. It's all about understanding one plus one plus one plus one. What do I mean? It's incremental changes. Number one, you don't have to make wholesale changes. But if you make one small change, i.e., you drink coffee every morning, drink coffee. Drink coffee. I, I drink maybe one or two a week. It's decaf. You like caffeine? Drink your caffeine. You normally put sugar in it? Stop putting sugar in your coffee. Step one, not don't remove sugar from your diet. Stop putting sugar in your coffee. Sugar is just another one of our many addictions that we have, but it's also the freaking devil. And so when you have refined sugar in your body, like I used to, I was inflamed, constantly inflamed. And that's what we need to get away from. But it's incremental changes. So you like ice cream? Awesome. I can show you there are lots of different products you can buy. But if you bought an ice cream maker, which are not cost prohibitive, and you make your own ice cream, which is literally coconut milk as a base and whatever else that you want, you're going to realize that not only can you make your own ice cream and is it better than what you're buying at the store, but it's also made from ingredients that your body is going to tolerate much better. So it's all about making these incremental changes. But most of all, understanding that you don't have to miss anything. You don't have to stop eating pizza. You have to use different ingredients. You don't have to stop eating pizza forever. Have a cheat day. Have balance. Life is about balance. It's not good to want to eat pizza every day. If you know, okay, I'm going to eat pizza every third Wednesday of every month, go and, eat a, go, go and eat a whole large pizza. Life is about balance. Enjoy yourself. What you're going to find over time is this. You know, I, I mentioned addictions, like sugar is definitely an addiction, but you know, I, I have an addiction and I, 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 it came out the other day that I'm addicted to feeling good. Like I'm really freaking addicted to feeling 
good. Yesterday, I smoked a cigarette or two, and I ate some sugar in a pie that was so good. But of course, I feel gross. Like I don't smoke cigarettes and I don't eat things. I'm addicted to feeling good. We in this culture, in this world, what for whatever reason, we have become so desensitized or we've become so accustomed, not desensitized, we've become accustomed to this eating with repercussions. I'm going to go to McDonald's, but I know I'll be on the toilet in half an hour. Or I'm going to go drink this, but I know I'll be sick. Or this, you know, eating doesn't have to come with repercussions. So, but it's really all about making those incremental changes. That's the biggest advice I can give to anyone. Oh, that really resonates with me, actually. I mean, you know, my diet is is poor at best. And I, you know, it is that inherent laziness that keeps people, that holds me back in particular from wanting to make significant changes. Yeah, and absolutely. Fear. And, you know, I guess, you know, I can lay on kind of excuses. Well, you know, I've got three kids. Kids are funny eaters. And it's like, they're not, they're, you know, they'll just, you know, I, I'm kind of making excuses. And it's almost a case of, I know I need to take more responsibility for what goes in. Do you know what I mean? And in order to do that, there is a certain amount of trial and error. And, you know, it's, you know, cannabis aside, it's kind of like, well, I don't know. I almost feel like so many of us have such bad relationship with food, not just not just in the UK or North America. It's always easy to kind of look across the pond and say, oh, look at look at what happens in the US or look at, you know, I mean, but there, there, there is a real problem. I think it, it's something that affects people. But just it's because easy to get cheap food and eat badly than sure. it is properly. A hundred percent. There's no question about it. But at the same time, if we are going, if the, if the, anyone listening to this, watching this, you have any intention of getting healthier, it's, it's about balance. As I said, it's no longer about, Hey, how much cannabis can I consume? Because, you know, chef said it's going to help me. Well, it is going to help you. But if you're going to McDonald's every day, I guarantee you there's diminishing returns on the cannabis that you're having, right. Or you're consuming. So it's really about finding that balance and understanding you don't have to miss what you love to eat. You have to learn how to do it differently. That's the challenge. You don't have to stop eating hamburgers or pizza or hot dogs. You just have to buy things that are a little bit better. You, you know, it's just, it's, it's really, and, and I come back to relationships with farmers, like your food does not have to be cost prohibitive. Quality food does not have to be. There's lots of food stuff that does not make it to grocery to grocery stores because it's not straight enough or perfect enough or beautiful enough. Fact of the matter is, is that they taste the same, as I said earlier. So there are relationships to be had. But yeah, it's way easier to buy cheap, gross food than it is to buy healthy food. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. No, I, I think just resonating the idea of making changes that, you know, I'm a lot less out, you know, in shape than I was uh, a few years ago where I, I did the same sort of thing, Jordan. I made a really drastic change and I just white knuckled it for want of a better word because that's kind of what you have to do if, if you're going to go down that route. But the best piece of advice I ever sort of received was just like, you know, when you do have a day where you eat a bit of pie and you have two cigarettes, just don't do it the next day. Like it's not that's the it. end of the world. That's right. <laughs> it's never the end of the world. That's right. That 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 is right. And and allowing yourself the 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 flexibility and freedom to do that because if if we're constantly like I, I I'm I struggle with mental health like I've mental and physical like I'm 
when I found my physical health, it was much easier to be mentally healthy, you know, but it's not mentally healthy to deprive yourself of what you want to do. Like that's not, that's not life either. Like pizza is there to eat. I love pizza. Like just being in Berlin guys, no, man, you didn't yeah. go out for a late night donor. Like, are you we kidding did. me? Oh, yeah, no, we were there midnight. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So like who didn't go out and it was all of the things that I don't eat. Right. But, but like, I didn't care. And my body didn't, was any worse for the wear, but I came back to Toronto and I come back to center and, and you're absolutely right. Don't do it the next day. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, that's, that's the easy win, isn't it? Just not yeah. repeating. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I never, I had a friend of mine, have a friend of mine who was way ahead of her time and I would make fun of her all the time about vegan or organic or, 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 and here I am all these years later, like my wife and I had an organic baby food company and, you know, I, I believe wholeheartedly in organics and, and, you know, and why are we feeding our kids, you know, herbicides, pesticides, fungicides uh, as their, you know, immune systems developing. And I, and I've really taken that into, you know, where I'm at today and, and I'm trying not to consume those things because I don't believe they're beneficial to my, autoimmune disease inevitably so you know i just i think it's you know it's daunting it really is i was scared i was terrified to have to now figure out ways to recreate all of the food i've always loved but you know here i am all these years later and my newest book that's coming out has a bunch of these i'm going to guess there's 80 recipes in there you know with all of these recipes that are gluten dairy and refined sugar free and you know tricks and tricks tips and tricks on on infusing some of them with cannabis so you know there this information is out there and and it's being more curated as time goes on biggest challenge guys is where do you curate the content because all of my friends are being deplatformed or shadow banned on on instagram and facebook and everywhere and youtube and everywhere else like you can put your stuff on youtube but who knows when they'll be you know when they'll be taken down so it's you know it's it's challenging sometimes and it's and it's disheartening that's why these forums are so important it's why my chef friends and mixologist friends who are out there it's so important but it's hard to educate when you don't have the platform necessarily to support. That's it. And I think that's, that's the kind of the ongoing challenge, isn't it? For so many cannabis businesses, not just in the, in Canada or the North America, but you know, globally. And it's, it's, but again, it's, it's like you say, it's about balance. It's not sort of, pushing the idea of like, you know, cannabis is the cure for everything, you know, or it's going to be, you know, it's the new alcohol or it's new this or that. It's about like you're saying, what I really what resonated from what you're saying is this idea that, you know, it's all about balance. It's about finding ways to, you know, introduce different things into your diet, into your, into your body. And, you know, for, for the right reasons. And like you say, when you get people get hung up on organic or vegan and stuff, sometimes it's just about, I just, you know, it's just about better quality stuff. And that's what counts, you know, and that goes for cannabis as well. You know, better the quality of cannabis, the better effect it's going to have, no doubt. A hundred percent. And, and oftentimes too, you know, organic certifications are extremely expensive. So, you know, you have to do your due diligence, not just say, are you organics organically certified things of that nature, but it's, you know, what are your growing methods, right? What, what are your intentions? And you learn a lot about people through their intentions and, and the product that they're growing. Yeah. I, I, it's, um, buying good ingredients is not something that I will ever stop doing. 
I try not to buy things that are necessarily made already. Uh, but there's also a matter of life is hard. Life is rough. Life is busy. You know, like it's, if I'm not prepared, I'm coming home like each and every one of us parents and ordering sushi. You know what I mean? Like for my family, like I, yeah. I, I just, if I'm, if, if, if I don't have anything for dinner or, 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 and that's why I really am a proponent of setting yourself up for success. Like it's not, it's not easy to change your diet. It's even harder to be consistent when you're trying to do something in a hurry and you're really, what's the, everyone, everyone's going to go and revert back to what they're their their habits are and and if your habits are you know to pull out those chicken fingers or the pizza or what and i'm not i'm not demonizing these i have both in my freezer right like i'm not demonizing yeah, no, absolutely. But I can tell you the quality from libretto pizza and the quality of the chicken fingers that i'm buying is something that i can stand by when i'm serving and or taking it out of the oven for my kids right so it's just it's really about knowing your ingredients but inevitably and i and i will stick with this Make small changes. Remove refined sugar from your coffee. Add maple syrup. Add agave. Add honey. Add date syrup. You know you're going to add sweetener to your smoothies in the morning. Don't add add you know medjool dates. Like it just it's as sweet as it could possibly be. There's so many different ways to create your my brownies. My brownies. You know to say I don't make gummies and brownies and cookies. I make all of them. My gummies have agar agar, right? Which is seaweed. My brownies are made from avocado and coconut oil and cacao and and maple syrup and 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 almond flour. Like they're just made with good ingredients. But you wouldn't know there's avocado in my brownies. You'd just say, "Chef, that's really good brownie." So if I can achieve that goal for you, and then I say, "Okay, well now guess what?" So Jamie, all you have to do if you love these brownies and you want to have them because they're so good for you for breakfast every morning, make a sheet, cut it into in, 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 cut it into squares, put it in your freezer, individually wrap them and put them in your freezer. It's it's not even twenty five minutes of cooking. You know, but you've set yourself up for success. Instead, you're not going to drink, or you're not going to have cocoa puffs in the morning, or fruity pebbles, or the sugar cereals, or 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 you're going to start your day off with something that's really healthy, and that's how you set yourself up for success. And on the subject of brownies, is there a secret for getting a hash brownies just right? Anything you're able to divulge on on a? <laughs> it's always back to the emulsification. So you know, okay. all all joking aside. So if I'm taking my, if I'm making my hash brownies, so I am always always going to saute that hash in the bottom of pan like I would, and very low temperature. Right, the difference between sweating and 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 caramelizing is caramelizing has color, where sweating is just you're releasing all of the liquid very slowly so that it's just sort of you know just becoming translucent. So that's the type of temp temperature. A little bit of oil in the bottom of that bottom of that pan with my hash, getting all of those flavors out, but not bringing it up to a crazy temperature. And then I'm going to add my, my, my liquid to it, whatever those wet ingredients are. Oftentimes in my world, it would be an almond milk. It could be a cream. It could be a milk, whatever it is. And then I'm just going to allow that hash to infuse into that, setting it aside, right? Not bringing it to a boil, nothing, just allowing it. You're going to come up to a simmer, turn it off, set it aside, bring it down to room temperature. Then you're going to blend that up. 
Why? Because you said yourself, you know, you, your friends used to, you know, crumble up the nuggets of hash and make hash tea or whatever it is. Well, who the fuck wants to eat? Like, who wants to eat crumbles of hash? So it's more, it's more sort of, um, you know, uh, palatable to emulsify that. And all I mean is put it in your blender and blend it on high. And if you want, you could certainly pass it through a fine strainer and then push all of those in solids through the, right, the mesh strainer. So you're not eating those little bits and then you're going to combine that into your brownie mix. How, why do I employ that method? Because if you think about it, now you've infused that hash into the, into the liquid You've emulsified it or at least pureed it into the liquid. When you make that batter, you can be assured that that cannabis, that hash is now evenly distributed. That's the, that's the goal. So that's what I would be doing to make my hash brownies. Well, you heard it here, guys. It's uh, <laughs> Jordan Wagman approved methods. Um, but no, thank you so much. Uh, what I'm taking away from, from all of this, and I'm, you tell me as well, Jamie, what you're thinking. Just a bit of care and attention when that comes to ingredients, uh, ingredients processes, and just you know taking the time to be mindful about what you're eating, whether it's infused or not infused. That seems to be key to you know getting things right. You know, from a food perspective, and taking time to think about what works for your own body. And I think for me, that's something I'm going to take away from this for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the parallels are clear as well with food with drink with cannabis it's all about set and setting and it's all about doing what's right for you and making slow small changes and introducing them in a way that is sensible and safe and that's that not only will create a better result it'll it'll be a much nicer journey and process as well absolutely and it's not one dimensional right it's it's that journey is sort of all encompassing and i subscribe to the entourage effect which is you know all sort of components of that of the flower working in harmony together to create that euphoric feeling not that one dimensional high yep absolutely wonderful, wonderful. thank you so much Jordan. um really appreciate you coming on the show and it's, it's been an education and um I'm, I'm gonna vow now to try and do a bit better for sure but uh, thank you so much no, thank you. And I'll, and I'll say this. I am always here, like truly now we're friends. So, you know, I, my, I am always available to help, you know, whether it's a listener, whether it's you, I just want to change the world one person at a time. And if I can help someone get healthier, there's, there is no better feeling in the world than that. That's very kind. Thank you very much, sir. All righty. Well, we will speak to you again, I'm sure. But thanks again for your time. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of the week. Speak again. Appreciate it. it.